If we haven't met before, my name's Rob Jacobson, and I'm glad that you are with us today. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs, so before we go there, if God came to you in a dream and said he would grant you one request, what would you give? What would you ask? As in, he would give you anything that you wanted, a thing you desperately wanted in life. What would your request be? I'm giving you pause so you actually think about it. If you want to answer, though, it's okay. See, when I think about some of the things that I desperately wanted, I'm going to start with things that are safe and easy. Like, when I started elementary school, I desperately wanted to play with the big kids in the neighborhood, so much so that it cost me a giant goose egg right in the middle of the forehead because I was playing baseball with the neighborhood kids and I was the smallest kid, so they're like, you play catcher. And I was about three feet between the back of the fence and the aluminum bat, and, uh, and it was there for a good month. And, and so, but I desperately wanted to play with the big kids. Then a little later, elementary school, when we got to try out for music instruments, I desperately wanted to play a cool instrument, so I picked the trumpet, because that's a pretty cool instrument. You know, there are some pretty cool trumpet players. Only problem was I couldn't hit the high notes, so at the end of the year, I got to drag home a baritone. Not such a cool instrument. It's like the ugly, large, might I say fat cousin of the trumpet, and I can't even lift it home. But... I just desperately wanted to play a cool instrument, and that's what it cost me. And then I think about when I was about 15 or 16 years old, I desperately wanted a motorcycle. My dad had had a motorcycle, my grandpa had a motorcycle, so I knew I had the generations with me, but I took the motorcycle safety course, and I saved up the money, and I got my motorcycle. And I remember in the motorcycle safety course very clearly hearing, now, you're a lot more exposed than a car, you're a lot smaller than a car, so you should have boots on, or at least shoes that cover your ankles, and you should have at least jeans on, if not something leather, on your legs, and, and then also you should wear a jacket, and of course you should wear a helmet. Duh. So I was pretty excited to start riding my motorcycle to my job, because then I didn't have to bike. That was kind of fun. I was a lifeguard, so it was a little bit cumbersome to switch out of my shorts and tank top to put on my long pants in my jacket. But I did, most of the time. I, I did, except for this one time when my best friend said, who lives seven blocks from the pool? I mean, seven blocks that I had biked and driven many times before. He said, let's go for a run. And I'm like, well, I'm wearing my shorts and my tank top, and all I have to do is put my running shoes on. And it would be really a drag to put on the jeans on top of the, on top of the shorts because, you know, the style, sorry, you don't know, the style was very whitewashed and tight, so it just wasn't going to work. So I was going to have to take my shorts off, you know, put them in my backpack, take my jeans on. So this one time, just this one time, because it was just seven blocks, you know, and I wanted to go for this run, and I wanted to drive my motorcycle, so I decided to go in my shorts and tank top and, and my full face mask. And I didn't realize that they had decided to clear out, start working on one of the seven, one of the roads on the seven blocks there. And as I went around the corner and hit the gravel and started sliding out, I realized this is going to cost me. And I still have the scar on my leg to prove it. 
but I desperately wanted these things and I didn't realize that I needed something desperately more than any of those things. See, God did appear to someone in a dream and ask that very question. I can grant you one request. What will it be? And the person's name was Solomon, and he was the king after King David. He was a son of King David. And Solomon said this. He said, God, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well. And I can know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself can govern God's great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. Just think about that. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. In fact, the Lord said, because you've asked for wisdom in governing God's people with justice and not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I didn't even think of that one, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such that no one else has had or will ever have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. I mean, imagine what you could do with that kind of wisdom. Have you ever been around someone who's been truly wise? Maybe you've been in a situation where you didn't know what to do next and you sat with a truly wise person. Were they just a calming effect on your body, on your mind, and on your soul? As they non-anxiously listened, as they didn't judge, but also just didn't give pat advice, but truly helped you to understand the situation and see what God might be leading to you. It's truly a great thing. That's the kind of things that you can do with wisdom. But when you're truly wise, not only can you advise presidents, you can can repair war-torn nations and you can bring peace. You can certainly get fame and you can certainly get riches, but imagine what else you could have. A home filled with peace true happiness that isn't based on your situation, riches that go far beyond money, the ability to sleep at night knowing you've done everything that God has had you to do that day. There's a calmness and a non-anxiousness in a truly wise person. Those are some of the things that I think you can do with wisdom But sometimes we get confused when we talk about wisdom and we start thinking about smart people. Anybody know someone who's really, really intelligent but not very wise? You don't have to point to them. You know, they might have a PhD behind their name, but you start to wonder what that actually stands for. Maybe they're a doctor, maybe they're a lawyer, maybe they're a professor, and they are really, really intelligent, but they've also done some really foolish things. And they might have lost their marriage, they might have lost their job, or their house, or their relationship with their kids, because although they were really intelligent, they just weren't wise. See, I think the difference between people who live and people who live well are the well people have wisdom. It's not that they don't face challenges and it's not that they don't make mistakes because they do. But the wise people have learned to ask in every situation, you know, in light of my past experience and my future dreams, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience and my future dreams, what's the wise thing to do? See, wisdom is really about saying, 
not just knowing what to do, but doing that thing that you know what to do. It's like if you were, if you have intellect, then you know eating greasy fast food for three meals a day is not healthy. That's good knowledge. But wisdom is actually not eating greasy food for three meals a day. And when we start to have wisdom, our life starts to become well. And the reason we're doing this series on Proverbs is that each of us is going to face huge, life-shaping decisions. I mean, think about the decisions that we have to face in our life that need wisdom. What we believe about God. If, uh, what we'll do for a career. Um, if we'll get married and who we'll get married to. It, whether or not we'll have kids. Whether or not we'll stay married. And, and now, our, our, I think our culture is even telling us which gender we'll identify with. These are huge life-shaping decisions, and they affect your life for the rest of your life. So we need the best wisdom that we have available to us. And we find it, actually, in this book of Proverbs. Ask, and here's the crazy thing about those decisions that we just talked about. Think about when you make them. Do not most of us make those decisions before we're 30 years old? Now, if you're, if you're under 30, then you think, oh, 30's old. I'm going to have wisdom by the time I'm 30. Right? Maybe. But if you're, if you're 30 or beyond, you're like, dang, I don't know anything. Or I'm just starting to have wisdom. How could I possibly make these decisions? Because, see, we do. We have to make these decisions. But then the decision makes us. Ask anybody over 30 if they're living the consequences of those big decisions. I'm pretty confident they will tell you yes. So how can we get wisdom? Because here's what Solomon says in Proverbs 4, 7. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I, I, I like how practical he is. <laughs> Though it will cost you everything you have, get understanding, which is another word for wisdom. So the good news is that if we're told to get wisdom, it's available to us. So how do we and how can we get wisdom? Because that's what, that's what Solomon really wants. In the opening sentences of the book of Proverbs, if you want to turn there, if you have it, or dial it up on your phone, punch it in, it says what the purpose of Proverbs is, which is to help his readers know wisdom, like intimately know wisdom, like a best friend or a spouse. Not just to have knowledge, but to know the difference between good and bad, true and false, even good and better, and be able to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. So it says another place in Proverbs that wisdom builds a house. And I think about if you've ever built a house, some of you are doing some remodeling, one of the most important things to building a house is a materials list. You know, you gotta have the right resources, you gotta have the right stuff if you're gonna build the right kind of house. And I think that wisdom, when we talk about getting wisdom, we're talking about there's four sources of wisdom. There's four streams, if you will, or sources where they come from. And the first one shouldn't be that hard to get. It's from God. So look at 
Prover- or look at 1 Kings 3 before we go into the Proverbs again. Because Solomon has one request. Lord, give me wisdom. In fact, God says he's so pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. He says, because you've asked for wisdom, and then basically his paraphrase is, and you didn't ask for anything else. I want your wisdom, God, for the right reasons. And James 1.5 totally confirms this. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So, I mean, this is kind of in jest, but we shouldn't ask Google, even though it's easy. Um, But we shouldn't ask ourselves. We shouldn't ask Dr. Phil or whoever the new Dr. Phil is. We shouldn't ask our friends. We should ask God. So, how often do you ask God for wisdom? Do you ask him moment by moment? Day by day? Week by week? Is it more of a once a month thing? And I would say, regardless of your answer, is it fair to say, we're just having a moment of being honest, that you could ask God more often for wisdom? So why don't we? That's what I pondered this week. God, if it's so available and you want to give it generously, why don't we ask more? Well, I think think scripture confirms that we don't ask God very often because it takes humility. I mean, when Solomon makes his request in 1 Kings 3, he starts with, Lord, oh Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who knows nothing. And here I am in the midst of your great and chosen people, a nation that's so numerous and so great that they cannot be counted, so give me wisdom. The wisest person in the world has to admit first that they're not the wisest person in the world, that they need something that they don't have, and that takes an incredible amount of humility. But I think another reason we don't ask for wisdom very often is that it takes diligence. Take a look at Proverbs chapter two. It takes diligence to get wisdom. Proverbs chapter two starts with, my son, my child, if you accept my words and you store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, Indeed, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and you search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Take a look at some of those words. I think they're on the screen. In those first couple verses, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. I know the last time you treasured something. I treasured this ice cream sandwich a couple days ago. I'm telling you. That was a good word picture for me. And every bite. Tune your ears. I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember the big dial that you had to turn in the car to get the radio station. 
Some of you had to do this at home. I wasn't quite that young, but, or that old. But when you had to turn, you, you had to listen for the scratching and the, and then all of a sudden the frequency would hit. That's the picture I get for tuning your ear to wisdom because there's a lot of noise. I mean, think about it. We live in an age where there is instant access to enormous amounts of information, yet not very many wise people because we got to tune our ear towards it. It requires a diligence to say, what is wise, what is just noise? We have to concentrate on it. We have to cry out for it. When I hear cry out, I hear beg. Truly saying, I can't do this by myself. I, you know, I've always, I've always thought God's wisdom was somewhat hard to get, but the older I get, the more I realize that it's really hard to get. I mean, the scripture says, search for it like you'd search for precious metals. And I remember watching some movies and um, growing up and hearing stories about people who would panhandle for gold. They would go into these streams, they would look for silver, they would look for gold, they'd have these sieves, and they'd wash it out. The problem with looking for silver and gold like that is oftentimes you come up empty. But wisdom, if it's truly a jewel, requires that kind of diligence because we know sometimes we're just gonna get, no, sometimes we're just gonna get intellect, but there are these moments where there's some huge wisdom. I was having a conversation with uh, my oldest daughter and she's struggling with uh, a friend and she gave me permission to tell this story. And they were talking about um, comparative religions in her class, which I'm like thrilled, public school, like they get to compare. And she got this crazy, weird religion that she doesn't really know anything about, so she's excited about doing this. And one of her friends, who is a Christian, got Christianity. And she's like, Christianity is so hard. And I'm just trying to listen, and I'm trying to listen for God's spirit. She just said, Christianity is so hard. You know, there's so many people who don't understand what Christianity is about. And, And my daughter just looks at her friend and she goes, yeah, I don't really think it's hard. And she, her friend looks at her and she goes, I think it's hard to follow, but I don't think it's that hard. I mean, the God of the universe sent his son for us to pay for our sins, and we can choose to live in him. I'm like, oh my gosh. There's this moment of brilliance in my often eye-rolling, sarcastic, beautiful <laughs> child but it required diligence. And guys, I've told you many stories about how I've yelled and how I've missed it, but this moment, I just didn't miss it. That's the kind of diligence that God is talking about here in his book of Proverbs. And it requires us to focus hard. And I think finally, the last reason that it's hard for us to ask for wisdom is because it requires obedience. I mean, Proverbs 1 Verse 20, we don't have it on the screen, but, but I think it's worth saying. Proverbs 1 says, Wisdom out in the open calls aloud, out in the open streets. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in your mockery? And how long will you fools hate knowledge? Repent or turn at my rebuke, at my correction. And then I will pour out my thoughts to you and I will make known my teachings. And in the Hebrew, there's this little pause. Because then he says, but since you refuse to listen to when I call 
and pay no attention to when I give you my power and my wisdom. I will laugh when you disregard my advice and when mockery and calamity overtake you. I mean, this is the God of the universe who is grace and love. He says, hey, here's wisdom. It's at the street corner. It's in the public square in the marketplace. It's up on the wall. It's out in the open. Basically, wisdom is everywhere the people are. But there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of other things going on too. And it says, are you going to turn at my correction or are you going to rebuff or be naive or mock it? It requires obedience. So those are some of the reasons why I don't think we ask for wisdom, but the first place we have to go, the source of where we have to go is God. But we can find wisdom in some other sources. The next one that we can find it in is uh, the source of people. Proverbs 13.20 says, if we walk with the wise, we'll become wise. Proverbs 15.22 says, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail, but take good counsel and watch them succeed. You know, sometimes the beauty of the Proverbs are they're pretty simple. They're very straightforward. They're sort of like arrows, but they're also like gems that we can walk around and we can look at the ways that, that experience and truth reflect off of them. So they're worth studying. Refuse good advice, plans fail. Take good advice, plans succeed. They're not promises, They're not guarantees, they're just principles. Generally, most of the time, if we do this, we will see this. There are always exceptions to the rule, but the beauty of the brevity of Proverbs are they don't take time to list out all the exceptions. They make the truth statement and let you study it. Have you ever seen wise people? Really wise people? They usually hang out with wise people. People who... Um, the, the, best, the best advice that I ever got right before I was married was, hey, go find some people that are really good at being married. Hang out with them. We didn't know anything, but we knew that. We took that advice. And man, I have learned so much. I don't just think that's marriage advice. I think that's good life advice. You need, wise, you need more wisdom in your life? Just hang out with wise people. You, you want to be better in your job? Hang out with people who are really good in their job. I mean, if you want to be a successful manager, hang out with good managers. If you want to be a better coach, hang out with good coaches. It's, it's really just a really great life principle. You know, what we've said with our students, what I used to say with students, and what I think we still tell our restoration students, are your friends really truly determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Walk with the wise and become wise. But a friend of fools suffers harm. So take a look at your closest friends and your colleagues. Are they people who who live morally straight, who aren't suffering from bad moral choices? Are they people that, that have healthy relationships? Are they people that manage their money well? And if they're not, here's good news. You can find people. You can look at books, you can look at podcasts, you can look at blogs, you can get a, a, a huge amount of wisdom from wise people that you don't even have to live near. 
and it's just available to us. The people source. Third is this experience source. I see it in Proverbs 15.32. Proverbs 15.32 says, those who disregard discipline despise themselves. Don't want to read that one too fast. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. So you remember The Lion King? The, the movie, it's okay. You don't have to be like, oh, I read the book. You can just, you can just be like, no, I watched the movie. So this little, little lion called Simba, he thinks he's done something really bad and really wrong, so he runs away, because no one ever does that in life. And so he runs away, and he finds these other friends that have this different philosophy. Remember what it's called? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries, and I'll stop there, because I might start singing. It, it's this idea that, that, you know, you made a mistake, it's in the past, so just leave it in the past. Put your past behind you, I think the pig says. And that works for a while, doesn't it? But sooner or later, something comes back. Sooner or later, this thing either starts to eat at you or you know, someone from that past comes. And in the movie, this wise old wild baboon shows up with his little walking stick and he meets Simba into the now grown tiger. And he, you know what he does, right? He whacks him with his walking stick. He challenges his Akuna Matata philosophy, his no worries or put the past behind you, just ignore it. And he gives him this huge whack on the head and Simba's like, ow! I had to watch the movie quickly just to, you know, just to recap. What'd you do that for? And he says, Akuna Matata, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. Well, it still hurt. And then he says a very Proverbs-like thing. You can either ignore the past or you can learn from it. And then he takes a swing again and Simba ducks. It's, a, it's just this beautiful moment of a true wisdom. Best way I can explain this experience stream. We can either Ignore the past, or we can learn from it. It says those who disregard discipline, disregard correction, this disregard instruction, they actually hate themselves. I don't know how many of us walk around saying, please criticize me, help me improve. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. This word understanding here in the Hebrew, it's actually the same word for heart. It means soul, mind, body, spirit. It's like the CPU. It's the central processing of everything. So it's not just that you gain intellect or you gain experience. It's that you actually understand more about life, more about yourself, more about how you will undergo that same kind of temptation or that same kind of determination or that same kind of struggle and how you can do it different in the next one. That's experience. And finally, if you don't have enough experience, that's why they have counselors and consultants and advisors. Whether it's for your finances or your relationships or your job, it's okay to use these people. They have the experience that we need. And finally, the last source, or the fourth source, I guess, that I see in this theme of Proverbs is pain. Now, here's the good news about pain. It doesn't have to be your pain. And again, it's the same proverb, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise, become wise. But the second half of that is the companion of fools suffers harm. I mean, we have to talk about pain. And one of my most vivid proverbs, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool 
repeats his folly. See, I gained experience when I decided not to wear jeans and slide out on my motorcycle, and I'm really thankful that all I got was a a gigantic scar. But if I did it again, that would be just foolish. Because I've already gotten the pain, and I can either take the pain, and I can learn from it, or I can keep paying what I call the fool's tax. You know, someone called it the stupid tax. I just think that's kind of demeaning, but maybe it's because I've had to pay for it so many times. I don't know if you saw this story, but a couple months ago, there were two teenagers who jumped on the hood of a car, their friend's car, and they were going to car surf. And one fell off before the car got going too far, and the, the other kid was going around this corner at 20 miles an hour, and he fell off, and he hit his head, and I think we have a picture of him. They had to remove a piece of his, his skull because of the swelling that was so bad. They had to put him in an induced coma. And this kid's name is Andrew. Andrew is a high school senior. He's the school mascot. He's a popular member of the choir. And he just seems like an all-around great kid. 17 years old. And he's missed a choir trip, the spring musical, and a senior prom. And in his own words, he says, I'm just grateful to be alive. But this didn't have to be a thing. It's my own fault for being an idiot, honestly. He's walking, but every time he sits up, he says he gets a giant headache and he has to sit back down. A moment of unwise choice. Pray for Andrew. He really does sound like a great kid. We can either learn from our own pain or we can learn from other people's pain. I would encourage you, it's something that I talk with my kids about all the time. Learn from other people's pain. Then you don't have to make those mistakes. It hurts a lot less. And if you do have to make the mistake and pay the fool's tax, can I encourage you from my own experience, just pay it once. There are huge huge decisions that we will still have to face, even if we've made those big, life-changing decisions that we talked about at the beginning. Because we continually need God's wisdom. Solomon says that gaining wisdom is like finding that silver or finding that gold. If they would have had diamonds and discovered diamonds at that time, I'm sure they would have put those in the text, but they didn't have them. And so we have to tune our ears towards wisdom. What, what are you tuning out? Be a good question to ask. And what are you tuning into? For about seven years, I read a proverb a day, because there's 31, so sometimes I missed. I mean, February was great, so I could catch up or, or just be okay with getting behind, but it was like this vitamin that I took. And then I started to realize these are way more than vitamins. These are like jewels. These are like the world's worth of gold. I can't not hear them. But as he says in the scripture, as Solomon says, tune your ears, but then you will know the fear of the Lord. See, it's not just wisdom for the sake of wisdom. It's just not so that we'll become smarter for our own life. It's that we'll fear the Lord. And do you know what the fear of the Lord means? The fear of the Lord. It's sort of like fearing electricity. 
If you don't fear it, you can go, don't, don't do it while we're here. Um, go home and stick a fork in the, I can't believe I just said that, but. <laughs> when you don't fear something, you don't listen to that thing. So we fear God, not just to obey him, but we fear God because he is holy. And he does live in unapproachable light. We fear God because we have revere for God or we have awe of God. We fear God, and it says it's the beginning of wisdom. It's like the genesis of wisdom. It's the same word that when God created in the beginning. It's this point where which we connect true wisdom with a holy God. And we need that kind of wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, or 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that God just didn't keep wisdom way far away, that we would have to seek it diligently, but he became true wisdom for us. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus, and for our benefit, God has made Christ to be wisdom itself. He came to us and gave us wisdom, even if we scoffed at it. He gave his life so that we could have wisdom, which is a relationship with God. And he gives us not only the reconciliation with God, the being right with God, but he gives us the ability to be pure and holy, and he frees us from our sin. This is good news. Don't seek wisdom for the sake of wisdom. Seek God and get wisdom thrown in. Would you pray with me? God, I just pray right now that as we embark on this journey of Proverbs that we wouldn't merely seek intellect or knowledge. And even, God, that we wouldn't just seek wisdom, but that we would seek true wisdom, a connection with you, seeing this true source that comes from you. For your word says that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray that that truth and that spirit would lead us to wisdom and that wisdom would lead us to a relationship with you. And God, I pray for those right now that hear God's voice calling to them, that, that are trying to tune in and having a hard time. Would you open their eyes and open their ears to the ways you're gonna work and what you wanna show them? And God, for those who feel like they've paid the fool's tax too many times, I pray that you would shower them with your grace, with your goodness, with your comfort, and with your love, knowing that even if they have to live through some of the consequences of unwise choices, that you are with them and that you love them. Help us to hear your voice today, God, and respond to you. Amen. I want you to picture that, that idea of being lifted high in that, that course. Can you put the bridge back up on the course? Because see, when, when you ask for God's wisdom, you have to understand that he longs to hear you say it. He's this good God who graciously gives it. He is every one of us. He's our good, good father. And he is waiting to give you wisdom. And when you ask for his wisdom, the people who live near you benefit from that wisdom. It's a source because it flows through you. It affects those around you for the better. It's a blessing to them. 
And wherever God has you, he does not have you there by accident. He has you in those places, in your work and in your family and in your neighborhoods to be a blessing for him, to be a conduit of his love. So would you just pray, if it is your prayer for God, for Jesus and his wisdom to be more real in your life, would you just say, be lifted high? If you want him to be more real in your life this week, would you just say, be lifted high? Be lifted high, Jesus, in our life, in our life be lifted high. If you want him to be in your world this week, more than he's been the last few weeks, just is this new prayer. Just say, be lifted high. Be lifted high, God. And if you want to see his love flow through you, would you just say, God, be lifted high. Be lifted high, God. God, we give you this time, this gathering, and each person here, Lord, that they would know that they are yours not by what they do, but because they've said yes to you. And I just pray for anyone who isn't sure they've said yes to you, that they would, they would cry out to you, just like that song, that they would cry out not just for understanding, but for relationship with you. And if there is anything, God, that we have not come to you with, I pray that we would go back to the prayer cove, that we would discern with your Holy Spirit and with those who listen to your spirit what you are calling us to and what you are calling us towards. In the name of Jesus, have a great Sunday. Amen.